windows. The Bucks got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. These Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys. Hunter Muscaro, Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nothing spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bello. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible Jarvis Jones. The game winner got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my little friend. What's your name, man? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff. And you still have no talent. It's Sandos in the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Good Tuesday, Jay Sandos, Mike Gallagher, another edition of Sandos and the sidekick as we get going and get ready for women's basketball tonight against Liberty. Last night it was ETSU men's hoop with a win over Reinhardt College. Bucks rolled 107-60 without head coach Steve Forbes, without Patrick Good. Good sitting now. Uh, just kind of nursing some injuries, trying to get healthy for head coach Steve Forbes. He set out because he was ejected from the game Saturday. He had to sit the one-game suspension, but certainly ETSU didn't have any issues. They looked a little ugly and sluggish midway through the first half, but clearly uh, ETSU able to handle their business. It was the eighth most rebounds in a game as a team in the Southern Conference history with 64 boards, and I think I heard today correctly that it was the most rebounds since 1973. And so, uh, obviously, free some TSU, pretty, yeah. yeah, free tissue, some pretty big numbers. A couple guys with double doubles. There were a couple guys that were uh, nine rebounds, uh, you know, a tenth rebound away from a double double. Damian Williamson, a career high, lots of career highs. And what do you expect from any tissue game versus Reinhardt? Mike Gallagher. Yeah, no question about it. And it was good to see him bounce back and, and take care of business as uh, they should against Reinhardt, with or without coach Forbes I know he was in touch with you throughout the game pretty much and I often wonder what it's like for a head coach that is so used to any head coach really that is so used to during game days being with the team looking at the game through a certain lens right because when you're on the bench it's so much different from being uh, on your couch or on your recliner or wherever you are watching a game but it seems like it's difficult for coaches to get out of coach mode you know because when you're in the heat of it you can communicate with your guys I'm sure it's very frustrating for coach Forbes in this specific situation but any head coach that their team is playing they put so much work into this team I mean their life and your life as a head coach is kind of your team your program and so for him to have to sit back and watch his guys in that first half specifically I don't want to say struggle because you're still up by, you know, whatever it was at the half, like 28 or 25 or whatever it was. But uh, I think ETSU did end up having like 22 turnovers, and there were some sloppy portions of the game where I'm sure Coach Forbes would have loved to be there and try and correct some of the issues. Well, you look at James Harrison and Milan Armas, they combined for 13 of the 22 turnovers wow. between two post players. And they did pick up uh, the action as of late, the free throw shooting for both guys. Uh, Armas, a career high for free throws made in attempts was 7 of 10. James Harrison with a, a career high in points, his first double-figure game, plus career high in free throws. Davian Williamson went, got the line eight times. He had a career high, eight free throws. 32 of 39 from the line. And, and I know, again, situation's different. They're playing Reinhardt, not playing Wofford. The pressure maybe still not there. They're at home. But still it's game situation. that they're, it, It's very easy to come in the gym when you don't run and you throw up 100 free throws. 
it's different once you ran up and down the floor, you're in the game, you're right. tired, different things going on to have the focus there. It's another thing to do it on the road. So certainly you look at some of the numbers, and ETSU has to be happy with what they did because that's what they should do. But there's obviously a lot of numbers. I think Coach Forbes, my favorite text besides him saying that uh, he scared the dog two or three times, my, <laughs> my favorite quote was I said, hey, do, do you think you're, you have more notes on your guys sitting back and watching or – do you think at the end of the game after you've relived it and kind of felt it? And he was like, oh, no, no, no. My iPhone notepad is filled up with my players and everything they're doing wrong. So I think Coach Forbes probably learned a little bit about his team by just sitting and watching and being able to think, okay, I'm not calling plays. I'm not worried about this. I'm just watching. In the same token, I'm not sure the guys are going to be real happy about that situation. (laughs) When they hear about it today or whenever they're getting together next, because now they have a number of days before they have to get back on the floor for UT Martin. But, yeah, I mean, in some ways, and I don't know if it's going to be a big game changer for this team's preparation for the Southern Conference play when it does kick back in, I suppose, and really get in full force. But in some ways, it could act as a benefit for ETSU in the fact that Coach Forbes does get a different perspective. And um, I don't know how valuable the perspective is necessarily, being at home, watching it on TV versus um, being in the heat of the moment. But I think it would give you, and maybe I'm wrong, but I've never been in the situation, of course, myself, but a more overarching perspective. You can see kind of the full floor instead of looking for any one specific thing. Now, Coach Forbes is, at this point, a tactician with all this stuff, right? I mean, he's been doing it for so long, had so much success. He knows exactly what to look for. But uh, this being his, what was it, first suspension ever or second, uh, was it? Well, and I think in junior college he didn't have set out a game. So I, I think it's the first one game he's missed other than he said he's missed a couple games due to illness. Right. Where he, I think, I don't know. He, he said had, he almost died. That's right. I right. remember that quote. Yeah. So uh, hey, other than, than an illness yeah. or, or uh, I don't remember if he missed one because of a, a, a death or family, but he had missed a couple games. But for suspension, it was the first time sure. that he had ever uh, had to sit out a game due to a suspension. And, again, it just goes back to just different rules, right? Uh, right. The two times he was with a coach, it got kicked out. Um, there in conferences, it didn't make a guy sit. And right. so it, it, it was just different. Now, he was at shoot-around, and it, I thought it was interesting. You know, he didn't say a word. He just sat there. He watched. He didn't interject. He let Coach Shea and those guys. I thought it was interesting talking to Coach Shea last night. Jason Shea was telling us about how him and Brooke Savage and B.J. Mackey were, and, and even Frank Davis were talking about, okay, who's going to do what? You know, and the guys were like, "Are you going to write the plays down? Or are you just going to call them out? Do you do you need us to write them down? Yeah. Like, like, what what do we?" And and I like Coach Chase said, "Well, I'm just going to sit down and try to keep it as normal as everything." And and then a couple times he had to get, up. but he gets up during the game a couple times anyways. Right. But he got up a couple times during the game when he needed to to talk to a player, address something, or or whatever it was. But for the most part, he he's, it was almost like an NBA coach. He sat down. You know, in the NBA, uh, I I like the style of coaching better, and I think I wish college basketball would go to it because. To me, there's nothing worse than 40 minutes you feel obligated to complain to the officials on every single thing as they come up down the floor. It's just what it is in college basketball. And every coach does it, and it is crazy. And are they complaining every time? No, but it looks like they are every time, right? So I, I like the NBA where they sit down. If there's a problem, they get up and yell to the official. They yell to their players. Otherwise, they sit down. Like, I just feel like that that is – a better way to go about it. But it's neither here nor there. But Jason Shea didn't stand up the whole game. He didn't work the baseline. He called two timeouts when he felt like they needed it. Uh, and I said that was really the only difference. I, have, I get to call the timeouts. If I need to stop a run, if we're just executing, if there's just things aren't going, what we're supposed to do, three or four trips down the floor, I'm going to call a timeout. I'm going to try to get him to regroup. I'll give him credit because he, he didn't really seem to stop and take a lot of it in. He did seem to 
um, and I'm sure this helped. I'm not sure it would have mattered a ton. Who was on the bench, as you mentioned, um, on Saturday? I, I think that ETSU was probably pretty safe in this contest, winning by 47, 107 to 60. But he did seem to keep things very level, very even. Not a lot of differences, it seemed like, from one game to the next, if it's Steve Forbes or if it's Jason Shea. And, and I would be tempted, and maybe I'm you know, not a professional, right? Uh I'd be tempted to revel in my first victory because this is his first career victory, oh, yeah. correct, as a head coach. So uh, he's 1-0. You know, he's got one victory to no losses. That is how it will stay I'm in, until the foreseeable future, I, I'm assuming. I don't think Coach Forbes is going to make a habit of getting ejected and then suspended, especially with some more important games coming up in the non-conference and then obviously conference play back on December 29th. But I hope that Jason Shea gets to stop and smell the roses a little bit. I mean, that, that's a victory. Well, it's over. I don't care who it's against. I, I hope that he you gets to You know what I told him? What? I told him yesterday when we got off air and we are sitting there and he, he was just sitting next to me and we were talking about whatever. I said, here's what I'd like you to do. I said, next time you're in a meeting and, and you know, it's obviously not an intense meeting, I want you to look at Coach Forbes and say, as an undefeated head coach, this is what I would do. <laughs> and I would love for you to say that. And to yes. bring that up whenever possible and just say, again, Coach, I, I don't want to say anything, but as an undefeated head guy, this is what I would do. Right. I think we should do this. And I, I said, and just, just try to get in uh, Coach Forbes' crawl a little bit. And those guys have known each other and been friends for, gosh, it's 20 years, Decades, yeah, 30 yeah. years, whatever it's been. Both from the state of Iowa knew each other. So – I think if anybody could pull it off and have fun with it, I think that's that's what it is. But you could tell Coach Shea was very uncomfortable with the circumstances. And I think anytime you're assistant and you have to pinch it for a head coach, rather uh, an illness, a death, a suspension, whatever the case is that they've got to miss a game, I don't think anybody feels good about it because it's still not "quote unquote" your team. But you're still trying to you're just trying to man, you're trying to get by. I remember when uh, Murray Bartow's dad died, the legendary Gene Bartow, and Scott Wagers had to coach a game and I remember talking to him before the game and he was like out of all the circumstances for me to get my first kind of head coach game I've got to do it with with, uh you know a mentor and a guy I've worked with that um uh his dad died you know it's just an awful situation and the Bucks were able to to get the win I think Mark Barto even bought him a plaque it said congratulations on your first division one win and you know it it worked out well but I remember coach and wagers was a half-empty guy. He was always kind of a curmudgeon. So, uh, you know, a lot of people, I think, think that about Shades because his demeanor on the sideline. Both guys off the court, fun-loving guys, but they were both looked to me somewhat not miserable, but certainly it wasn't a comfortable situation for them. And I don't I don't mean that as if they can't be head coaches. It's just a bad situation to get your, your coaching experience. Yeah, in. and he's so used to being an assistant or a uh, support staff type guy. I mean, he was, what, Dobo at uh, UW-Milwaukee back in the early 2000s, obviously at Tennessee. And, you know, and him and Coach Forbes have been together for a long time. So he's he's used to being the right-hand man, you know, and, and that's not – he's comfortable with that role. It's not necessarily a slight to him being the number two. You know, he, he enjoys that, obviously. Otherwise, he wouldn't be well, doing and, it for as long as he has. And he's all you – know, when he was at UW, he's with um – or Milwaukee, he was with Coach Pearl, right? And Coach Pearl and him went together to Tennessee. Coach Forbes joined him at Tennessee. The thing about Jason Shea is he's really – I know there's really not offensive-defensive coordinators in basketball per se. It but that's like really – I was going to say, it that's like really what talking, he is. Yeah. It, 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 he's and, – and, and Coach Forbes, whenever he got the job, he was like, I want to get Coach Shea because the X's and O's and the plays he draws up and the things he has is unbelievable. And that's been – you know, Coach Forbes was a recruiter. That has been his – Forte. He gets players. He's able to go into homes. He's able to get people 
to commit to play to him, to, to do whatever. He was that for Billy Gillespie. He was that for Bruce Pearl. He's that for Coach uh, Greg Marshall. That's his thing. Shea is the X and O's guys. And he said, that's why it works. You know, we don't kind of intermingle in different spaces, right? He, he's he got his thing and said, you know, I don't – when the play Georgia Tech, when Geelong Gwynn hit, hit the game winner, I remember uh, Coach, Coach Forbes said he looked at Coach Shea and said, hey, what are you thinking? And he's like, hey, remember the play we beat? Uh, Tennessee beat so-and-so, and he's like, no, I don't remember that at all. He goes, all right, I'm going to draw it up. So then he sits in a chair, draws up the play, G-Line Gwynn hits the game winner. Right. You know, Mississippi State, hey, do you remember the play, you know, when we were whatever, whatever, this? No. Okay, well, here you go, and he draws a play. So that's 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 what he's good at. It's, yeah. You know, and, and I think the, the best thing about those two guys is they understand what each – they've been together so long, they understand which guy strengths and weaknesses, and they get out of the way – of their strengths and let them let them have at it, and and you know I always felt that was good uh, good head coach always okay this assistant's good at this let him run with it I'm not going to interfere and that doesn't mean just like any head coach with an offense coordinator just use football terms says hey I'm going to uh, why don't we do this you know not to say Co- Coach Forbes doesn't but for the most part especially late games I've seen Jason Shea sit down in the seat draw up a play and go with it and that's the type of relationship they have and that's that's why I think it was it was. Uh, Interesting to see how Coach Shea was going to react yesterday on how he was going to coach the game, because again he's always called the plays for four years at ETSU. You know he calls the offensive plays, and you know Coach Forbes may have some input. But for the most part, you know Shea started to write on the whiteboard this year to be a little more covert, if you will, so he's not screaming out the plays so people can learn the plays. But I always laugh at coaches for that. I'm like, don't you scout, right? They scout. I mean, what do you? You guys watch thousand hours of tape, and you're worried about if a guy here is Detroit too or Cleveland too. They know what you're doing, but anyways, I I thought it was a a good win. They survived. The team gets a day off. The coaching staff's going to get together, and then they prepare for uh, UT Martin Skyhawks, which can uh, have some challenges for ETSU. We'll break down further in the yeah, week. Absolutely. We'll step aside for a timeout. When we come back, we're going to preview tonight's game, ETSU women's basketball versus Liberty inside Brooks Gym. That's a 7 o'clock tip. Mike Gallagher have the pregame show on the Buccaneer Sports Network at 6.30. Don't forget you can download this episode and every episode on SoundCloud and on iTunes of Santos and the Sidekick. Back with more on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Congrats. You made it. Through National Ice Cream Day, National Hot Dog Day, and even National Sunglasses Day. You took on the heat, took care of the yard, and even took a vacation. But now it's October, and you finally have a chance to breathe. And with that chance to breathe also comes a chance for fun when you play new October Instant Games. Pick up one of four new games for a chance to win $1,000 up to a $1 million. Fall into some fun with new October Instant Games from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Wow, am I happy about my new Wow Rate e-checking account at Citizens Bank. I got a huge rate on my deposit and great account features. With that sort of a deal, I'm saving for much-needed bucks tickets to cheer on my team. Learn more about Wow Rate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Wow Rate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Go Bucks! Bank your own way. Citizens Bank member FDIC. Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. 
If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go Bucks! Are you having fun at bad time? Mm, you smell fresh as spring. Hey, Frank, is this lettuce ready for the customers? No. No, not yet. Frank, they're perfect. Let go of the cart. No. Frank, now. But I didn't get to say goodbye. At Food City, our produce experts are passionate about offering the freshest fruits and vegetables around. We're Food City, and we're very picky about produce. Today and every day, the Johnson City Way. Johnson City Hyundai is proud to support East Tennessee State Athletics. Excellence in education, teamwork and trust, success and understanding. They are the core values that drive the ETSU Athletics program to excellence. ETSU Athletics and Johnson City Honda, a winning combination. The Johnson City Way. Today and every day, Johnson City Honda is committed to bringing the Tri-Cities a truly unique way to buy a new Honda or a certified pre-owned Honda. It's a way of business we like to call the Johnson City Way. When you come to Johnson City Honda, you can have the confidence in knowing you're getting a great deal along with outstanding customer service that will last long after the sale. We invite you to come by today and shop our outstanding selection of vehicles and experience a different way, an easy way, our way, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, proud to support the ETSU Athletics Program. Today and every day, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, Johnson City. Sandus and the sidekick back with you. Segment two, we're talking women's basketball tonight. They got a game against the Flames of Liberty of the Atlantic Sun Conference. First year member in the Atlantic Sun. They moved down to the Big South to uh, move to greener pastures in football, correct? Well, no, because they're not technically in the Atlantic Sun. Well, well they moved to try year. to get in greener pastures. They're just not there. Well, right, I, and so we were talking about this yesterday, myself and Jacob back in a studio during the men's game, which was clearly out of hand, uh, you know, uh, what, I mean, five minutes in basically sure and so we have plenty of time to to kill back there but we were looking at where liberty's planning on going because obviously the atlantic doesn't have football and so we were thinking maybe you know conference usa or the sun belt something like that it doesn't appear to be and, and you would know this better than i do because you're more on the pulse than uh with college football than myself but it does not appear that liberty right now has a plan for a conference. And so I was curious if they were going to go the, I think, let's see, Notre Dame is independent, BYU is independent. Is Army independent? Is that right? Uh, Army is independent. Navy is not. Okay. Air Force is not. So I think Army like, was in a league. They got out of leagues league so for scheduling to help out. So I think there's like four or five different teams in the country at the FBS level that are independent. I, I know Liberty has a ton of money, excellent facilities. Um, they certainly, I think, have the resources to do that kind of thing. They went 6-6 six and six as an independent this year. I was just wondering why they made that move because generally ex that's exactly what the case is, right? If you're talking about a bigger sport, a more you know, revenue-generating sport, quote-unquote, you're going to make the move because of that to get more clout, get more of a following, get more blah, 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 uh, get more money uh, in, in the long run. But I don't know. It doesn't seem like they have a plan. Have you heard if they have a plan or not? Well, no, it's not really that they, they don't have a plan. They thought once they made a Division One move that because – of their clout and attendance and money that that would lead them to a conference. Two things have worked against them. Number one, 
the Sun Belt and some of those teams don't want them because they have so much more money than the rest of the league. So there's a little bit of that. Right. Uh, and and then I think the second part of it is it's tough to get there. Like uh, people forget uh, the the one thing that hampered upstate for a long time people were trying to figure out where to fly into and eventually they were like well we fly in the tri-cities it's just an hour bus ride well it's not necessarily great but it's not awful either uh, you know people trying to get an hour when they were trying to get in leaks people thought they had to fly to charlotte and they're like i'm not want to bus two hours or whatever it is to get right. to boone or to you know we, we may fly from texas to here and then how do we get to there and so there there's a little bit of how do you get there to play them and bus rides and all that but i think the biggest issue is you know they've got 40,000 students and they've got a student fee so all their online kids pay a student fee for athletics and so they've jacked that price up so they have an absurd amount of money to pour into football and so and i think there are leagues that are just concerned that they would run rum shot through the league once they got in the league, got the extra TV money, got the other stuff going on. So I think that that's the main issue. I think when people go big boy football, they just assume, oh yeah, well you know conference, so you know this this league will take us, that league will take us. But Liberty, who didn't win FCS championships, just decided they were going to make the leap. And I think that you know what what really hurts is because the way football is done. And I think. And I'll talk to David. Maybe we'll have him on one day to talk about this. But I'll talk to David Jackson, who does our ESPN3, who's App State play-by-play voice for 15-plus years. And we talked about, you know, if they would just regionalize the football conference. So basically I'm do what high schools do in a lot of states, that they play in a different football league than the rest of their sports. And if they did that in college football, because it's just a Saturday, right? You just have to travel the once. But all the other sports are hammered. It's really not App State playing in some belt that hurts in football because they have bus rides to all their East Division opponents for the most part. they got one flight, and then they'll have two flights for their West Division opponents uh, every year, so maybe two to three flights a year. And on some years it's maybe one flight, depending on how the schedule falls. So, But all their other teams have to play round robins. They're taking six or eight flights and trying to get to whatever. So if they could just regionalize and say, okay, let's make the football conferences a little more regional, forget about the traditional everybody plays in the same conference here, and then all the other sports play in a more traditional. So let's just say teams like App State could have stayed in the Southern Conference, and, and I'm just making it up, and, and Gardner-Webb and some other teams there, but their football teams played in different leagues, right? App State could play, you know, in a more uh, a, a different league where you're not seeing Conference USA and Sunbelt teams that are drawable distance against each other. So App State could be in a league with Charlotte, could be in a league with Old Dominion. East Carolina could be in that league, you know, and then they, they add a smattering of Georgia Southern and Coastal Carolina. And then it's a better football league that could still get going. And then all the Texas schools that are in eight different leagues, they could all get together and play with some. So I think there's a way to, to do it. And depending on how the playoffs and all those things going down and all the arguments, it gets Trey Adams and Jacob Townsend all frothy at night, worried about who's going to get in, who's not, who got, who got screwed. There we go, baby. Who got screwed and not. If you think about it that way, that would make more sense. It would help out all the other sports because it's not really football that's taking the beating because, again, they're only going to play five road games, six road games, and it's going to be, you know, one flight a year. But all those volleyball teams and soccer teams, Eight, and, 10, 12 oh, my goodness, it's brutal. And from Boone, North Carolina, you know, unless you go to the Tri-Cities, it's an hour, go to Charlotte's two hours. Well, if you go to Tri-Cities, you're going to fly to Charlotte. So you've still got to drive two hours. You know, if you're, now football's going to take a charter, so they can fly into the Tri-Cities and bus an hour up. If you go, um, you know, for a Sunbelt game, for there's no sense for App State to drive to the Tri-Cities just to fly to Charlotte. They're going to save more money driving to Charlotte, flying to Texas, flying to Miami or wherever else they play, Florida National, some of those schools. So 
Anyways, that that's a uh, uh, long story short about Liberty. What do you know about their basketball? Yeah, point being about tonight's game, certainly they were ready in women's basketball, and I don't think they're going to necessarily make the move for something like that. It is going to be more football, men's basketball, whatever the case may be, uh, just to get more money in. But Liberty dominated the Big South for uh, seemingly you know, 10, 11, 12, 15, 20 years. Ten of the last 11 years they've won. 20-plus games, and on eight separate occasions, they lost two Big South games or less in that time, and Kerry Green's done a great job. He's in his 20th season there, 62 years old, and and has quite the legacy built up at Liberty. The one thing I'm curious to find out about, because I haven't heard either on social media from anyone um, around the program, and I'm going to ask Liberty tonight, Kean, um, why am I forgetting her name now? Uh, It's their Big South Player of the Year, Kean Green. Um, She was 11th in the nation in field goal percentage last year, 61%, obviously a force down low, 22 um, double-figure games last year in scoring. She has not played at all this year. Um, so they're seven games in, and the Big South Player of the Year has not played. So be interested to see what the status for her is tonight, if she's maybe taking a medical redshirt, whatever the case may be. But this deep into the season, you'd think that you would have seen her by now. Um, we have not. So that'll be something to watch for. Uh, Liberty is off to a rough start without her. Uh, they lost seven of their 18 off the roster last year. Uh, there are two or three contributors in there, you know, kind of a two-thirds of the time starter, and then their two main subs. Um, but obviously, if you don't have green, that's going to be the big issue. Uh, again, they're one in six. So this is two teams looking for their second victory tonight. And ETSU, obviously, against Appalachian State with that 31-point win. Both teams have played a rather aggressive schedules. I'd venture to say ETSU's has been even more so, and you could say that really in the country against most teams than um, Liberty and many others around the region, but certainly in the country as well, one of the more difficult schedules that any team has seen so far. But uh, Key and Green going to be important to see if she can play. Let's see how Erica Haynes-Overton does efficiency-wise from the field, trying to have a bounce-back game where she went 3-for-16 after averaging like 24 per contest the previous four. I'm going to ask Bruce Trambarger this tonight. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it as well. But in the breakdown, when Bruce joins me from the ESPN Plus and ESPN3 broadcast, are you kind of resigned to the fact that Erica Haynes-Overton is going to have a game like that here and there just because she does play with such emotion she uh i think from end to end she feels like she's the best player on the court and pretty much every night she's going to be right well i'm not sure that you're going to come across many that can rival her so are you just resigned to the fact that that game's going to come along and do you just have to push through that or do you continue to work on it with her and say we got to cut out a couple of the things that are making those nights happen well i I think part of the issue right there's so many injuries so so you've got so many players out of the starting lineup, right, that, that has to work on you mentally to try to make up for that. The other thing is that she's the best player on the floor. Everyone's going to focus on her. So there's some nights that, you know, some teams may try to go head up one-on-one. There's sometimes they, they try to cheat towards her, double team. They're, they try to pick her up full court, make her throw the ball. So there, it probably depends defensively on how teams are defending Erica Haynes-Overton, and then, yes, there are going to be nights where it's just not your day shooting the basketball. Even if you get to the rim, it's just not your day where it it drops. I mean, you play 30 30 games, give or take. It happens to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. But I I think some of it depends on how they try to defend Erica Haynes-Overton, and that's why she needs – players to knock down not just shots from the outside but you need to have Lexa Spears you need to have uh, Snowden you need to have some of those get shots inside right to help open up that attack the other thing is is ETSU is way better when they're running right I think that that, that's an easy statement they love to create turnovers they want a high tempo and if you can get her on the open floor is there anybody better 
at our level in the open floor than Erica Haynes Overton? And I, my answer would be no. Am I biased? Probably, but I don't think there is. And I talked to Brittany Azell about this post game after the Houston game where the Bucks were really close, just couldn't quite get over the, the hump to get that victory. The beauty of having players like Erica Haynes Overton and Raven Dean as your best players is even when they're not shooting the ball well, like Erica was not against Houston, I mean, she still almost had a quadruple double. She eight steals, seven assists, eight rebounds. Raven Dean uh, consistently, and this has been – fantastic to see from her she's been facilitating a lot she's been using her shots that she's getting very smartly and setting up her teammates uh, in good positions as well and then also hitting the glass so again she also is doing a great job of affecting the game in other ways so uh, Erica Haynes Overton can she have a bounce back game Kean Green will she play for Liberty uh, can ETSU or uh, the Flames get that second victory because both are playing for that and two teams that are highly acclaimed in their leagues. Now, here's here's one thing, and I know you look at the record for ETSU, 1-9, uh, and nine, and you'd like it to certainly be better. Uh, Coach Zell and her staff and the players, I'm sure, would as well. But let's put things in perspective here. You look around the conference, and there's really no need at all to panic. And there's been a lot of progress made, as Coach Zell told us postgame, um, on Saturday, uh, Furman is four and three, the only team right now in the Southern Conference that is above 500. Then you've got Mercer and Wofford at four and four, and every other team in the conference is below 500. So when it comes to, and obviously you want victories no matter who you play, but the main time where you're going to need to be in top form, and the teams that you're competing against night in, night out in conference play to get to that ultimate goal of the Southern Conference Championship and then the NCAA Tournament Automatic berth, those teams have also struggled in non-conference play. So, yes, while you'd like to be, you know, realistically uh, four and six, five and five, uh, looking around at the other teams in the league, they have had their issues as well. So everyone's going to be really on the same kind of plane when we get to January 12th. Um, there isn't one team that looks like they are miles ahead of anyone else. That's the good news. Um, certainly over the next six games, which ETSU has um, before December 29th, which is their last non-conference game, you have to d develop some camaraderie. You have to continue to improve. Uh, but offensively, like we talked about after the Houston game, the team has. Uh, they put up 74-plus each of the last three games, um, averaging like 82 or 83 points per game. Um, defensively, I, I certainly think there are some strides that can be made. Now, Houston just used a lot of broken floor and second-chance opportunities simply because they're third in the nation in steals, right? And when you've got broken floor, and we talked about this yesterday, um, you've got uh, young ladies like Alyssa O'Kane and, and people such as that that were for Houston, they're going to crash the glass and hurt you a bit um, if you're across from the Cougars. Uh, but point being, you know, outside of that contest, you need to develop some half-court camaraderie defensively as well because teams have been able to, to fill it up, and they're very good teams. So I think just another game tonight that is another chance to do that. A uh, very busy time right now for ETS women's basketball as well, and for us because we've you know, done, what, four or so games in the last week, if you include the one coming up against uh, Asheville. So uh, excited to see what happens and another good test for ETSU because Liberty, once again, while they've struggled a bit early on, um, they come with plenty of acclaim themselves. 6.30 airtime, 7 o'clock tip. Liberty, ETSU inside Brooks Gym. We'll step aside for a timeout. When we come back, the college basketball central, the voice of mid-major hoops, Kevin Sweeney, runs a podcast, covers mid-majors. Uh, all across country. We'll talk to him on the other side of this time out on Santos and the Sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Ballot Health is an integrated health care system built to meet the local needs in Northeast Tennessee and Southwest Virginia. Together with community, 
We're transforming our region. We're making communities healthier. We're expanding access to critical services in rural areas. And we're investing in health research and medical education. It's your story. We're listening. Ballot Health is proud to be the official health care provider of ETSU Athletics. Go Bucks! The Carnegie Hotel is Johnson City's only AAA four-diamond property that is unique, tranquil, and brimming with character, just adjacent to East Tennessee State University. When it's time to dine, Wellington's restaurant in the Carnegie Hotel is the place to be, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner in grand style. And why not come indulge yourself at Austin Springs Spa, located right inside the Carnegie Hotel. East Tennessee's premier full-service spa provides everything you need to rejuvenate, revive, and renew. The Carnegie Hotel, 12 16 State of Franklin Road in Johnson City. Wendy's has an all-new... You had me at Wendy's. Good, because Wendy's has a new bacon cheeseburger, and it's called... You had me at bacon. Well, what if I told you Wendy's kept going and added a smoky, tangy sauce, and it's called the Sawsome Bacon... You had me at Sawsome. It's called the Sawsome Bacon Classic. Sawsome Bacon Classic? Sounds amazing. Why didn't you just say that from the start? Also, if you download the Wendy's app, you'll get special offers like $2 off any combo. Huh, well, now you have me downloading the Wendy's app. At participating Wendy's for a limited time. Mulligan Hardwood Flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mulligan's pre-finished, sold, or engineered, ready-to-install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson City locations to learn more. Dockery's Floor Covering, House of Paneling, Carpet and Door Mart, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, El Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mulligan Flooring. Over the last 70 years, Johnson City Power Board has had a few different looks, but we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on. Now, we've changed our name to Bright Ridge to match our vision, to deliver on our promise of great service you can count on, embracing common sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Bright Ridge, new name, renewed promise. Learn more at brightridge.com. New coach, new era, new day. Here from ETSU football headman Randy Sanders, all fall on the ETSU Coaches Show now on Wednesday nights. If you're scared by all the change, don't be. Voice of the Bucks, Jay Sando, still host from Wild Wing Cafe, and it's still a 6 o'clock start now every Wednesday throughout the football season. Morristown native and new ETSU football head coach Randy Sanders on the ETSU Coaches Show right here on WXSM AM 640. The Extreme Sports Monster. Sandos and the sidekick back with you. As promised, Kevin Sweeney covers college basketball mid-major style. About as good as anybody else. He takes the time to talk to us today. And Kevin, appreciate you taking the time. And really want to focus in on what's been a uh, tight race in the Southern Conference as far as who's going to knock off bigger teams and UNCG was sort of the, the, the darling coming in because they had that great run last year, went to the NCAA tournament and had a tough uh, loss at LSU. Of course, gave Kentucky a little bit of issues, but Wofford had a 20-point win at South Carolina. And the Furman Paladins ranked in the top 25, 7-0, and two huge wins, one at Little Chicago and then one at Villanova. Yeah, I mean, it's really been an impressive start for the league. Uh, from up from top to bottom, Furman is not a team I think anyone expected to get two wins the caliber of Loyola and uh, Villanova. 
uh, not sitting at a no rank. I, I don't know that necessarily the top 25 buzz is warranted, but when you can be a no this deep in the season, it's certainly deserving. And Wofford is, as you mentioned, great guards and, and Fletcher McGee, obviously, and then that whole unit. ETSU still very solid, very deep. Uh, UNCG's got a lot of talent, really pushed Kentucky this past weekend before uh, Kentucky really pulled away. But and that was a game with 10 minutes or so to go in the second half where UNCG could have made a run and taken it. So, I mean, the, the depth of this league and it, it is as good as I think it's been in quite some time. Yeah, I think the, the, the one thing about the league and, and the depth has really started to, to rise. Anyone who makes a good league, Kevin, you know this, is, is not just the top two teams you know playing good, but if you can get three, four, five teams making some noise, and certainly ETSU and UNCG's had close calls, but you've already had a couple of big wins for Furman and Wofford. It looks like it could be an exciting uh, Southern Conference battle and, and maybe raising some eyebrows across Ben Major for being a, one of the better quality leagues this year. Yeah, I think it deserves the buzz. Obviously, those, those two wins for Furman bring, bring you to the forefront, if you will, and, and Furman's gotten the national attention and well-deserved. But I think as the season goes on, a lot of people are going to realize just how good a team like ETSU is, a team like Wofford is, uh, UNC Greenboro. Even, even West Carolina, Western Carolina pushed Furman earlier, uh, I believe last week, and, and go to double overtime. That's a team with a new coach that's just starting to get there. Uh, Mercer's always solid. I mean, this is this is a really solid league up and down. Even Stanford pushed uh, pushed Belmont last week. Belmont's a really good program. Stanford seven and two after a rough year last year. So uh, I, I think it's definitely a fun race. That the, the people who follow college basketball closely are going to watch throughout the year, and people who maybe don't are going to turn it on in conference tournament week in March and be pleasantly surprised by how good this conference is. Yeah, and I, and I think uh, another one is is the Citadel, and, and for many years they they were honestly the the doormat of the Southern Conference, and they go to South Florida, right? And I know South Florida is not a one of the top AAC teams, but certainly to go on the road there and pick up a win at South Florida, and then they beat Mercer by ten on the opening uh, uh, day of the weekend. So you're right, Sanford, and Sanford's interesting, Kevin, because they lost three guys that were major D1 transfers. Wyatt Walker goes to NC State, Christian Cunningham. Uh, uh, goes to Louisville and, and actually helped that, that upset win over Michigan State. And then out at uh, Arizona, uh, Justin Coleman uh, left. So they had three guys transfer up and thought maybe this would be a down year for Sanford. But Coach Scott Pageant's picked up a lot of wins. And uh, really, I watched that game. They had a couple chances to, to beat Belmont and put them away. And maybe that's just a young team not knowing how to win. And uh, Western Carolina certainly was a shocker, taking Furman to, to double overtime. But the, uh, today, or I guess today's Tuesday, the, the game – Wofford's got a chance to go to Kansas. That's obviously an upper echelon team, but they got a chance to make even more noise today. Yeah, it's certainly certainly a great opportunity. I don't, I don't expect Wofford to win that game against Kansas, but when you have the guards who can shoot the ball the way Wofford does, every game can be a challenge because those guys heat up. You, you can look at the score in the second half and go, uh-oh, uh, if you're Kansas. So um, it's just, yeah, it's just, I was impressed with Stanford. I watched a little bit of that Belmont game as well. Uh, they're, just, they're a much better defensive club than they were last year. Last year, uh, gave up a ton of points, uh, didn't, didn't do a good enough job um, forcing turnovers this year. They're doing a little bit better in that regard. And, uh, they've, they've got a lot of really good guards surrounded by it. I really saw big and Ruben Guerrero. So I think they're, they're definitely a dark horse. The league is a, is a lot deeper, so it makes it a little tougher. I, I, I've kind of been on the field for Ben Wagon coming in, but maybe didn't expect some of these teams like Citadel, like Furman, to be as strong as they appear to be early. So, uh, it, it just it, it makes league play just such a battle week in and week out when you when you don't get games off this season when you 
don't get a chance to have a home game against a team maybe bottom 100 in the country. And when instead every single game is a trip to Citadel who's sticking to or a game against Stanford who, who, who can push anyone on any given night. When you have that type of depth, it really takes a toll on teams in conference play. And I think that's where teams with a lot of depth, ETSU probably right at the forefront of that with, with the amount of guys they can throw at you, uh, really, really makes an impact as conference play goes on. Kevin, Mike Gallagher, appreciate you coming back on the show. Uh, let's talk about the mid-major scene as a whole right now. We're, geez, about a quarter of the way through the college basketball season right now, which is crazy to think about. But what have been the big two or three surprises? Obviously, Gonzaga is going to catch the most eyes because they're at the top of that AP poll and knocked off Duke. But for you, having the level of depth of knowledge that you do of mid-majors, what have you thought have been the biggest surprises around mid-major ball early on in this season? I mean, Furman has to be in that discussion just this, with those two quality wins. A, a few others that I, I want to t- uh, touch on in particular, Utah State has a new coach which picked near the bottom of their league by virtually everyone, including myself, and they sit at 7-1. and one. They beat St. Mary's handily in Las Vegas. Uh, they, they pushed Arizona State, who's a top 15-20 to 20 team in the country. Uh, they've just been super impressive, and in the Mountain West, that's maybe a little bit down this year. Um, surrounding Nevada, who's a top 10 team and just absurdly talented. Uh, Utah State has been super impressive. Uh, yeah, it, it, there's, there's, a, there's a ton of really good stories throughout, throughout college basketball every year with an amazing team. But I think Furman and, and Utah State are two programs that I did not see it coming, even in the slightest, that they'd be where they are. And that's what makes this, this game so much fun. We look at the top 25 and we see Gonzaga, we see Nevada, we see Buffalo, and we see Furman. I believe those are the four uh, mid-majors that are in the regular AP top 25 poll. we got our own mid-major poll, but it seems like the mid-majors are doing a pretty good job of representing themselves in that regular poll. If those four were to play, say, a just four-team tournament, say a tournament that you see, um, or say maybe even a regional that you would see in March, um, if those were to play uh, four teams, two games, to decide one winner, is it clear-cut that Gonzaga is the number one team amongst those, or do you feel like Nevada, Buffalo, or Furman could give them a run for their money? I think Buffalo could push them as, as well as Nevada, but Gonzaga would be a really tough beat. Uh, I, I've been all in on the Nevada bandwagon for the last really three years uh, since I've seen what Eric Musselman's been building, and uh, they're so talented. I saw them come to Loyola Chicago. Uh, I was at that game, and just to watch their length and athleticism is absurd, but uh, with, with the win that Gonzaga has over Duke and just how well coached they are, I mean, up and down their roster, uh, th- th- they're one of the few teams in the country that, that can beat Duke because even when even when Duke is playing their not their best basketball, they're still so much more talented than you. Uh, I mean, you have to keep them out of transition. You have to make them beat you in the half court. That's what Gonzaga did. It was still a two point. I mean, Gonzaga executed their game plan to a T, and they're a consensus top five team. And it still took maybe a couple missed shots by R.J. Barrett at the end to beat Duke. I mean, they're just so talented. I think you have to go with Gonzaga, uh, but, but Nevada's really lurking. I think that's a legit top five team as well. I'm not left. Loyola Chicago is going to catch a lot of eyes simply because of the run that they made last year. They've lost three games. Are you panicking about Loyola Chicago right now like much of the nation and some of the mid-major polls have, or do you think they'll be all right? I think they'll be fine. I think the problem was is whenever you come off a run like that, the expectations for the following season just spike. Uh, realistically, with the roster they had, they should never have been seen as a top 25 team coming into this year. They lost three really important rotation players, Dante Ingram, uh, Andre Jackson, and Ben Richardson. They're still just kind of figuring out how, how to play without those guys. Uh, 
Uh, I hear Uguak is the guy they they had, they had really hyped up to come in and be their foreman. He's been a little bit disappointing so far. Uh, they got three really good players in, in Marcus Towns, Clayton Custer, and Cam Crowley. I think they'll be right there in Missouri Valley to compete for a conference title, uh, right there to be potentially back in the NCAA tournament. I see this more as a top 75 team in the country rather than a top 25 team, which will obviously some the, the common fan might see that as a disappointing year. I think, but when you look back and, and realize what the expectations should have been, it's pretty much right on par. The program's going pretty good. This is Kevin Sweeney uh, joining us on Santos and the Sidekick. Kevin, I appreciate you taking the time with us. If you would, uh, we, we follow you. Uh, uh, we enjoy your read. I know you got a website podcast. Go ahead and plug that for our fans. Yeah, you check out my website, uh, cbbcentral.com. Uh, usually just mid-major stuff on there. Uh, wrote about Nevada last week. Wrote about Loyola Chicago. Uh, I wrote about some top uh, top ten freshmen uh, a, few, a few weeks ago as well. Hopefully, I have some more content on there this week. Also, my podcast, CUB Central Podcast. You can find that on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, a few other spots. Uh, and just check out. We just talk college basketball as a whole with my good friend uh, Brad Cavallaro. It's a great, great, great time talking to him for him. And uh, definitely check that out as well. All right, we appreciate uh, the time, Kevin. We'll be talking to you down the road. Thanks, my man. Thanks so much for having me, guys. All right, that'll do it, Kevin Sweeney of uh, CBB Central. We'll step aside for a timeout. When we come back, we'll take a look at the mid-major and the regular uh, top 25, especially with some mid-major teams in. Trey Adams will join the show right after this timeout from a word from the Buccaneers Sports Network. Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets. High-performance gas ranges. Or low-decibel dishwashers. They're really quiet. Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever. Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Johnson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson. Purchasing a new home, remodeling your home, First Bank and Trust makes applying for a loan easy. Our online application process is designed to allow you to stop anytime and pick up where you left off when it works for you. And after you submit an online application, you can check your loan status anytime. Visit or call me, Rose Fulton, today for help with your purchase, refinance, construction, or home loan. We're there for all your mortgage needs because we're your bank for life. Equal housing lender, member FDIC. This is the Pepsi that your father drank and your grandfather drank. When I was your age, we were... This is the Pepsi that your Uncle Ted drank when rock sounded like this. This is the Pepsi for American pastimes. Whether you're tailgating at a speedway or courtside watching your favorite player make a breakaway... He scores! This is the Pepsi for those who are forever fun. This is the Pepsi for every generation. Known for its personalized service and friendliness, the environment at the Johnson City Country Club is comfortable, casual, and inviting. One of the greatest assets is the beautiful clubhouse. From the sweeping verandas, the fireplace in the massive ballroom, to our intimate private dining rooms to our 19th hole, the clubhouse accommodates all desires. For decades, the Johnson City Country Club has been host to numerous wedding receptions, business meetings, golf outings, and an array of social functions. The setting is ideal for any event in any season. Whether your function is large or small, your guests will enjoy a fine dining experience with professional, courteous attention. The Johnson City Country Club, a tradition since 19. 19- 
No one knows better than the Bucks what it takes to compete on the college level. No one knows better than Bullseye what it takes to compete in the business market. At Bullseye, we provide innovative products and services to help our customers meet their business objectives, and you can count on us for graphic design, printing, mailing services, and much more. Bullseye, a preferred partner of the ETSU Athletic Department. Call Bullseye in Johnson City at 423-283-7772 or visit us on Hanover Road near Cheddar's. Bullseye for all your printing needs. Mike Gallagher has no friends. I just want to throw it out there. That uh, Jason is my guy. Such creative insults. Uh, Top level stuff. You should hit the tour. Hit the tour as a comedian. The clubs, they'll love you. Uh, I'd be a great comedian. Would you? No. Okay. Trey Adams. Well, what's going on, guys? How you doing, buddy? Would Trey be good at comedian? Uh, no. 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 Trey, I, Trey, I think Trey gets better as he does things. Like, you listen back to his first few... Um, is Trey wearing his headset? No, he's not. He's got the speakers on. I can yeah. hear it. Uh, so maybe he doesn't get better. So he's not a pro. He's not yeah. a pro. Is that what so, you're telling me? I hear you guys without the speakers on for some reason. Oh, really? Oh. Well, that's that's the headphones are messed up. Well, you might Let's wanna, blame that, you Trey. You might want to plug the headphones into Tie Line 2 because yeah, we're coming help. to you on Tie Line 2. So, <laughs> again, I mean, these are just things that I think you'd pick up along the way at some point. But you're about uh, He's not the best months, in the business so. on a podcast that airs daily in the southeast in the state of Tennessee in Johnson City. Northeast in Johnson City. <laughs> right on the campus of East Tennessee State University. Trey, you listen back to some of Trey's scoreboards and some of his buck minutes and such. And we were doing that the other day, as a matter of fact. And he was like, God, was I just so bad. He's made a lot of progress on his on-air stuff. And some of the technical stuff, I think, still still gets him. Would, I, would you agree, Trey? Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, you, Trey, Trey let me ask you this. Do you like uh, talking more or producing more? You know, I like producing quite a bit. Uh, huh. I just feel yeah, like that's I'm in good. Control. Interesting. <laughs> you just <laughs> shut us up when you want to. Yeah, I like it. All right. That's a fair point. Can. You can. No, no. I listen, no, I'm no with you. No one would blame you I'm either, with you. let's be honest. Uh, listen, there's half the fans that probably have screamed at some point in time, please cut them off. I think they'd be very ha- I think they'd be very happy for uh, for you to do that. Yeah, no doubt. All right, what do, what do you got for us today? What, what are we laying down? Top 25? Yeah, mid-major top 25. We start with Gonzaga Nudd. They continuously dominate their ranked in the AP uh, top 25, number one in the country. One name to know from them, Zach Norville Jr. In their last game, he scored 23 of his career-high 28 points in the second half, took down Creighton, although they were down double-digit uh, deficit, picked up the win 103-92. to 92. Next game, tomorrow night against Washington. So, uh, you know, I asked Mike about this last week. Jay, what, what do you think about Gonzaga still as a mid-major? I hate it. I've, I've argued that for a long time. Anytime you can earn – a number one seed overall, you're just not. I'm sorry. You're yeah. just you're you, you've you've elevated your game enough. Is in the conference. I, I get the argument is well, if St. Mary's isn't good, it's still one bit the league. But it doesn't matter. Gonzaga doesn't have to win their league. They are they are in the conversation of top five, ten programs in the country. They're just not anymore. So that's my thought on that. I I agree. And the of course this year the West Coast Conference uh, picking up a lot of steam. They've got a lot of good teams in there. We'll get to those here shortly. Number two Buffalo. They're also ranked in the AP top twenty five rank. 
ranked 17th. Uh, a couple names to know from here, Nick Perkins, Jeremy Harris, uh, Mid-American Conference, really good conference. Uh, they picked up uh, an 85-81 victory in their last game against San Francisco, handed them their first loss of the year. Uh, they continuously stay undefeated. So, And moving on to number three, Furman. They jump in the top 25, ranked 25th this week. Uh, of course, you, we all know about Jordan Lyons, Matt Rafferty. Uh, just guys talk about Furman a little bit. Well, I think the biggest shock for the Furman Paladins is Lions because he was a guy that was a role player, wasn't asked to score a lot. Now he's leading the conference in scoring. I think uh, um, uh, Chase Mounts is another guy that people didn't know a lot about. And I know he, so he threw down that mass. That's right, and, and everybody knows about that now. But he's been able to score. Matt Rafferty's an interesting cat because he's a left-handed post player that can step out and knock down three. So not he's a what were they called the, the old pick and pop guy, right? He can set a pick, he steps back, catches it, knocks down. Uh, jump shot. Plus, he's very skilled uh, around the goal. So they've got a lot of guys that honestly have stepped up that because of the pieces they had in place the last couple of years, you just didn't know that they were going to be able to do that. You know, they, they lose uh, Devin Sibley. They lose Chris Acox. I mean, they, they lost a lot of players. Uh, and then Andrew Brown, who played at a small school just up the road at Traveler's Rest, you didn't know a lot about him. And he is, he's uh, been a that. guy that, that, that's been able to knock down. The only reason I know Traveler's Rest because they will give you a ticket if you go one mile an hour over. And I've had plenty there. So <laughs> let me assure you, don't speed in Traveler's Rest, which is a small speed bump in the uh, scheme of the world. But uh, Andrew Brown's a guy that I Honestly, I saw him play his freshman year. I'm like, oh, how does this guy? He's just maybe a local yeah. folk hero or something. And the next thing I know, last year he ended up knocking almost 83s down, and now this year he's off to a good. So there, there's a lot of key pieces for Furman that honestly can can give team fits. And I don't know if they've done maybe what ETSU did during the 16-game win streak where maybe they've kind of peaked and caught people off guard. Are they going to be – the hardest thing is just to sustain this, right? The Western Carolina concerning for them. Certainly. Oh, they yeah. Double, ever, double overtime near loss. At, at home. And, and so I think that that's a little bit more. So they've caught a couple teams right. I think a little Chicago uh, – I maybe should have pressed Sweeney on this a little more last segment, but I just feel like that they lightning in the bottle is over with. And in and, and reality for them, and, and, and great run, I would trade that in a heartbeat. I would trade a Final Four to be not very good the next year. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then the next one uh, point I, I would just, just say is people, because of Furman having, you know, oh, well, let's just stick with Furman. Nova, right? They're coming off the, the big loss to Michigan. Honestly, I hate to say it, but they probably thought, well, let's just show up. We'll beat Furman, move on. They had a little bit of a hangover that continued to be a worse hangover. And Furman is just better than people thought. They yeah. have been able to come together with all the key pieces they lost last year, they've been able to step up and make shots. I mean, people knew about Rafferty, and some of those other names are familiar, but you look at the preseason rankings in the Southern Conference, and this is where it really does pertain to ETSU and what we've got coming up over the next three months. Furman was a clear cut fourth. I mean, it was the top three in UNCG Wofford and ETSU, and then Furman was 29 points behind ETSU in the media poll, and they were 10 points behind, which is really pretty comparable to 29 because the measuring systems and the amount of votes are just different from the media to the coaches, but 10 points behind in the coaches' poll as well. And so they have bolstered this league. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And quite honestly, I've been pulling for them. I mean, now, once Southern Conference men's basketball comes around in terms of conference play, things are going to be different without a doubt. I mean, it's all in for ETSU, and the rest of the league is just – 
you know, you don't want anything good to happen to the rest of the league. You're not cheering for anything, you know, injuries or anything like that, but you're cheering for losses all around, triple overtime games, so they're exhausted coming into Freedom Hall, and ETSU can, you know, get some easier games against those teams. Um, you're looking for ETSU to develop. You're looking for those other teams to fall off. But certainly, uh, Furman, I think, has done great things, not only for their program, but also for uh, the Southern Conference as a whole that has really turned some heads and made people pay attention not only to them, but to the rest of the league a bit more in this non-conference. Yeah, and, and moving on to number four here, number, uh, Belmont, uh, Ohio Valley preseason favorite, uh, name to know from them, Dylan Windler. Uh, he's been dominant for the Bruins so far. Uh, they are taking on Lipscomb tonight, another team out of the former conference of ETSU, the Atlantic Sun. They are a mile and a half away, and they hate one another. That will be a jam. Awesome. That will be the only sellout those two teams have all year. Love that. Yeah, I, that, that's pretty cool. You know, both teams in-state uh, rivalry just a mile and a half it, down the road. I know it, it's the zip code. Really. <laughs> it's the Battle of the Boulevard. They're on the same road. That's oh, awesome. okay. Yeah, they're actually on Belmont Boulevard, which that. is which is I guess Lipscomb has to hate that, right? But uh, <laughs> but they are a mile and a half away on the same road, so it's uh, forget about Tobacco Road. They're five miles away. Let's talk about just boom. All right, go ahead. Sorry, Trey. Yeah, number five, Wofford, another Southern Conference team. Of course, the Terriers jumping into the top five this week after picking up the victory over ETSU Saturday night. Uh, guys, anything about Wofford that you see that could maybe could top Furman? Early yes. in the season? Yeah, I, I think the physicality of Wofford, because they play so much different style of basketball than everybody else in the league, makes them dangerous inside. And if they score inside, you can forget about it because they have so many scores on the outside. How you beat Wofford isn't really stopping the outside. It's stopping the inside Do you game. think they're the better team right now in comparison to Furman? <sighs> Hard to say because you haven't seen Furman up close, right? Well, I, I that's true. I haven't seen them up close, I, and I I didn't actually see either of the uh, Little Chicago or or that. I saw a little bit of the Western game, and that's always tough to go. So it's tough for me to say, but I would caution in Wofford just because I feel like they have more known pieces that have been doing it for years as opposed to Furman. Track record, yeah. Yeah, number six, uh, UNC Greensboro, a third Southern Conference team in the top ten for the mid-major polls. Uh, just Francis Alonzo, Isaiah Miller, these guys, uh, they know how to get it done. They picked up the Southern Conference championship last year, picked up an NCAA tournament bid. I mean, they are always a threat to watch in the Southern Conference. And what's the difference between them and Furman right now? It's really just a matter of a few minutes at the end of games because they've been right there against some top teams, much like Furman was, but Furman pulled them out. Yeah, and, and to be honest, Furman gets credit, for, again, no offense to Little Chicago, but that win looks better than probably what it was. I just hate to At say the time, it. But right. Exactly. And, you know, Greensboro was down big to LSU, was able to come back, had a shot. And, I mean, six minutes ago, they're tied at Kentucky. And, I mean, Francis Alonzo was putting up some numbers. Isaiah Miller was maybe the most athletic guy on the floor. And and it, and that was Dan Dockage saying that. Well, wasn't, that's not my opinion. Right. That, that was him at some point going, man, that guy – like, we were told from Wes Miller he might be the most athletic, and I kind of scoffed because, you know, it's his head coach. But now that I've seen him get to the rim anytime he wants to against anybody guarding him from Kentucky, that shows you what type of talent he is. And that's how – that's really how – UNC. the fun thing about Southern Conference is you have four teams who play four different styles of basketball at the top, and those always make for more entertaining games. And number seven, Lipscomb, we talked about him just a minute ago. They're taking on Belmont tonight. Uh, Going to be a big game there. Uh, in six and one, leading the Atlantic Sun right now. Of course, number moving on to number eight, the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. Uh, Mike talked about them last week. Mike Dom, 
uh, just continues to be a dominant player in the Summit League. He's averaging a double-double so far for game. Summit League preseason player of the year, Jack Rabbits, the Summit League favorite. Uh, they have a big chance to win tonight uh, to add to their resume as they travel to Memphis. So they pick up that uh, win tonight. That could be really nice going into March. Number nine, Toledo, uh, seven and one in the MAC. Uh, moving on to number ten, Loyola Chicago. They've again uh, concerning for them. They they had the NCAA tournament run last year. Uh, they're five and three so far, but might want to pump the brakes just just right now because they could be good come conference time. And another West Coast team we talked about at Loyola Marymount. Uh, coming in at number 11, they finally lost, losing to UCLA 82-58 to on Sunday night. So they, they dropped one game, but they're still right behind Gonzaga in the West Coast Conference. Murray State uh, moving up from number uh, – actually dropping from 11 to 12. Uh, they are 4-1 and one on the year. Charleston, a team from the Colonial, they actually jumped all the way from 24th to 13th, sitting at 7-2. and two. Uh, we'll kind of scan through these here. Stony Brook, uh, number 14, 7-1. They jump from 25. Uh, BYU, number 15. A name to know, Yoli Childs, uh, one of the top rebounders in the NCAA. BYU, another team in the West Coast Conference. They've kind of struggled so far, sitting at 5-4, and four, dropping from 6th to 15th. But uh, expect BYU to come uh, tough uh, come uh, West Coast Conference time. And then number 16, Radford. Uh, they jump from not not ranked to the 16th, 6-1 uh, and one on the year, a Big South favorite, uh, number 17, Montana in the big sky, 4-2 and two on the season. UC Irvine, one of the UC team's very good basketball programs, 7-2. and two. Number 19, Louisiana, 5-3, and three, and moving up from 23rd to 19th uh, in the Sun Belt. Uh, number 20, Illinois State in the Missouri Valley, a uh, team to watch there, uh, kind of compete with Loyola Chicago, a team that uh, the Bucks faced earlier this year, number 21, uh, actually yeah, number 21, Georgia Southern. Uh, they will be probably the best opponent that Georgia State plays all year in the conference, so that would be an interesting matchup come March. Uh, number 22, San Francisco, they also lost their first game of the year, uh, but they should be one of the top programs in the West Coast Conference. They sit at 7-1, and one, number 23. Northern Kentucky making their first appearance in the mid-major top 25, 8-1. And number 24, Liberty, they also making the first appearance 7-1. And, and to round out the top 25, New Mexico State 6-1 and one in the WAC. And to look Just at your this week's top 25. Thanks, Trey. Just a couple of points on that before we go. I know we're short on time here, but you mentioned College of Charleston at 7-2, and two, jumping up, uh, what, 12 spots? I think 24-12 to 12 is what you mentioned. The only two losses this year, 12-point defeats to Oklahoma State and number 19 at the time, LSU. They won uh, four in a row now uh, against Memphis, UAB, South Carolina State, and Charlotte, so certainly some good victories there. And then just to close things out about Loyola, we probably talked more about them this show than we will all season or have on any show prior to this, but we do need to realize a little bit in their losses that there have been some top teams amongst those. I mean, they lost three games or five and three. Now, Furman undefeated, uh, Boston College, a 12-point loss, and then Nevada. Nevada. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, the number six team in the who, country. Who have they so, beaten, though? Uh, they've beaten uh, UIC, so Illinois, Chicago, um, Richmond, Grambling State, Niagara, and UMKC, so there's so not a lot. In you don't know a lot about them, right? Exactly. That's exactly. So they they beat some teams they should, right? To. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. So you lost to some teams that uh, you would expect to, and beaten some teams that that you need to in order to keep any form of relevancy at all. So anyway, good uh, mid-major top 25, and then in the AP top 25, you've got four mid-major teams as well that we mentioned earlier, and Gonzaga, Nevada, Buffalo, and then Furman. 
number 25. First time ever, I believe, in their history yep. that they've been ranked. And, and it's the first time since Steph Curry and wow. Davidson in two, 2002, and before wow. that was College of Charleston, and before that, your Buccaneers. I mean, so. quite literally a very rare happening. So to bask in it while we can is a member of the Southern Conference. Thanks to Perman. Yeah, hey, put us more on the map. I mean, I think ETSU, a lot of places know the Buccaneers as a men's basketball powerhouse, but any more clout that can come for the conference is all good by us. That'll do it for Santos and a sidekick tomorrow. We'll talk to Landon Owen, Lando's Land. Uh, we'll also recap mystery ETSU. Guest. Oh, mystery guest makes a return, and we'll talk uh, ETSU basketball. Liberty, they host tonight. 6.30 pregame show on the Buccaneers Sports Network. 7 o'clock opening tap between the Flames and the Buccaneers. Sanderson Sidekick back with more tomorrow. Buccaneer Sports Network. <laughs>